Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. If you ain't watching, you ain't listening, and you're missing out. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. Woo! I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, greens, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, chicken, turkeys, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, greens, beans, greens, but beans, 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 greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken, Two wins in a row. And a win on the road by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, something we haven't seen since December of last year. So an early Christmas present from the Buccaneers as we head out of November and into December. Still have one stop left, and that is Thanksgiving. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Thanksgiving to you, and welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast here for episode 15. I am your host, Redicus, as always, and joined alongside me is my good buddy and friend, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. Evan, how are you doing today, man? Getting ready for Thanksgiving. I'm doing just fine. Yeah, like you said, getting ready for the holiday. Um, it's one of my, you know, it's one of my favorites. Christmas, Christmas is my favorite. Uh, but you know, Thanksgiving uh, is, pretty, is pretty close. Uh, pretty close second. I've always liked Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving comes out, sets the tone. It's underappreciated, especially. I mean, everyone says it. We always skip from Halloween to Thanksgiving or uh, Halloween to Christmas. Excuse me, but. Thanksgiving, got to come out here and get some love. It's probably my favorite football holiday. I love watching football on Thanksgiving. Hopefully you guys do too, and that's what we're here to talk about today. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Miami Dolphins 30-20 to last week in Miami. It was a good win. It was, it was gritty. Without a doubt, second half was... I wouldn't say ugly because it was just enough to win us the game, but that's, I mean, that's what it was. It was just enough to win us the game, and we'll talk about that. A little bit more in just a second, but again, 30 to 10, the final score out of that game. Let's talk about the first half really quick, and let's talk about the obvious here. The biggest thing we noticed on game day: that first half defense was amazing. Um, Got to find a way to start clicking like that more often, man. Can't really complain at all about that first half defense. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I definitely agree. Um, they, you know, that's what the defense just needs to do. Uh, the only thing I wish that we would have more is a bit more pressure. But in, in my eyes, you know, you can never have uh, you never have enough pressure. But I mean, the turnovers are huge. Uh, four turnovers in the four turnovers in the first half. Um, that that's huge. Uh, that helps your your defense out so much. Helps the offense out too because you know then you got to think about the opposing team's defense. They're going on the field again, and uh, you know they they don't, they're starting to lose face in the offense, and you can start to run away with the game and. And that's partially uh, that's that's partially what the Bucks did there for for a little bit, uh, probably about uh, towards the end of the second quarter. They um, they definitely uh, started to run away. It was twenty to seven, and they just couldn't put it away. Uh, you know, in the second half, and that's what they they like you said they they need to learn. Uh, they need to definitely learn how to keep keep um, that strong play going. And uh, talking before about the complimentary football being played in the first half, three picks you had mentioned, one by Quan Alexander, another one by Justin Evans, and the last one by Keith Tandy, I believe. Uh, Robert McLean, Robert McLean, not Keith Tandy, right? It was McLean? Yeah, it was McLean. It was uh, right off of Parker's hands. It was, it was a lucky it was a lucky bounce. 
But, uh, yeah, it was right off of uh, Devontae Parker's hands and right into McLean's hands. Uh, actually, uh, two plays after the Bucks had scored their first touchdown. So, And uh, looking back at those interceptions, you know, the argument has been made. The Bucks have won two in a row. You can't deny that. We are now four and six, looking to turn things around against division rivals Atlanta Falcons next week, who actually just squeaked out a victory against the Seahawks. We'll talk about that in a minute. But back on those three interceptions in the first half, two of those three interceptions – were really catches that sh- just shouldn't have been made. It was a pretty pretty good instinctive play by the defensive player in play, and I'm referring to the argument that the Bucks have faced some sorry quarterbacks in, in Josh McCown and Jay Cutler. Josh McCown, on the other hand, silently having you know one of the better years of his career, uh, not MVP-worthy or anything like that, but doing a little bit better with the Jets than a lot of people had thought. And Jay Cutler is Jay Cutler, can't argue there. But again, you look back at the film – Two of those picks were just they were they were beautiful plays. The first one, like you said, was a lucky bounce, and Justin Evans did have to lay out for that interception in the end zone that set the tone in the beginning of the game. But complimentary football all first half, second half fell off. Uh, second half, I was watching the Mike Smith live press conference today after practice, and he pretty much summed it up as first and second down. Team was doing a pretty good job at not necessarily getting pressure at the quarterback. But just shutting down the short plays, they do a really good situation of getting into third and long and then blow that third and long situation. And honestly, that's what kept the Dolphins in this game was that second half uh, inconsistency as we talked about last week. What do you think has got to happen to stay consistent next week, man? Uh, what's got to happen is I think I think they need more pressure. Um, I mean, you know, if they can keep applying pressure to the quarterback – the, the offense, the opposing offense, is going to have a really hard time, no matter what. Um, you know, and I think the, the pressure helps out the secondary, and you know, obviously, then the secondary can force more turnovers, which helps your offense. So, um, but just like the biggest thing that you said, uh, third down, they they got to get off the field, especially on third and long. Anything that is third and eight or longer, they they shouldn't be allowing. Um, at the rate that they are obviously every now and then okay you're going to get you know you're going to give up one they gave up about three or four that were over 10 yards um including a third and 14 that 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 shouldn't happen and that simply can't happen so uh if that happens in atlanta um this week it's going to be a very very long uh, long afternoon for the bucks and it's going to come down to really a lot of film that Atlanta's going to have to watch. Both of these teams' division rivals, we talk about it every time. Talked about it with New Orleans and Carolina. It's going to be a very well-scouted game. But looking back against the Dolphins on Sunday, second half of the game, a lot of inconsistencies on defense. But there were some adjustments made, and something in particular that I had noticed, Gerald McCoy having a hell of a first half, still finished with a pretty good day uh, against Miami. Second half, there were definitely some adjustments made on that Dolphins offense to get as much pressure um, and as much double coverage on Gerald McCoy as they can. And it really started to pay off, especially for GMAC that first half, as we saw earlier on Instagram. If you don't follow us, go follow us at Cannon Fire Podcast. I had posted Pro Football Focus had rated Gerald McCoy the highest-graded interior defender for Week 11 at 94.6. Second place was Aaron Donald at 91.2. And third place was Trayvon Hester with an 88.4. For the Raiders, it's really going to come down to the film and, and how things are lined up. But Mike Smith said today, you just got to look at it, come up with a better game plan, prepare for it, and hope you go out there and execute as well as you can. And that's all we can do against division rivals. 
talking about the Seahawks game they just played on Monday Night Football. That was that was a hell of a football game. Were you able to catch any of that? I was able to catch uh, the last couple of minutes to see Blair Walsh just barely miss. Oh, the dude, I had flashbacks. That one hurt me. Good thing none of our – I don't remember our kickers ever missing, you know, that short, but just short. That's got to hurt. Yeah, I'm surprised he actually wasn't cut. Uh, I, I am too. I figured he would have been cut. He hasn't had the strongest season, and, you know, that basically – I mean, it was a tough break. Uh, I, I did, Actually, it's the first time I ever heard a kicker in the post-game con- press conference say it was too accurate. He didn't put enough power in it because he was focusing on accuracy, so – that's something. That's something that that's interesting to to, to hear. Uh, that you know the kick was too accurate. Uh, so most of the time, you know, kickers try to just hammer the ball and it ends up going all over the place. Well, you know, Blair Walsh. Apparently, he's done some pretty good talking to keep a job. So there's there's no doubt in my mind that he can do some pretty good talking at a press conference to take the heat off of him. But something, you know, watching that game, um, the Atlanta Seattle game. Something that really scared me and something I hope that we're ready for is Atlanta is very, very fast-paced. Those were two fast-paced teams that you watched on Monday night. And granted, this is an NFC South matchup. It's not really going to matter because it is division rivals. You're always going to get a good game out of it, nine times out of ten. But fast-paced football like that is something I really just don't think we've been that, uh, we've been up against that much this season. You know, we've not really had any super high-scoring games as of late, I think the latest high-scoring game we had, or the highest-scoring game we've had so far, is probably Buffalo. Uh, in between Buffalo or Arizona, ever since then, it's really just not been that many points on the board. 30 points against the Dolphins on Sunday, but really it was 23 because of that last-minute, uh, last-second touchdown on the on the uh, kickoff, and that was fun to watch. But fast-paced is basically all I'm trying to say about this Atlanta team. I hope we're ready because they look, they look precise. And that's scary. Yeah, and I I agree. Um, you know, the Bucks haven't really faced too many teams that that have um, speed that the Falcons receivers do. You know, the speed and size combination that the Falcons receivers do. Um, plus, you know, even their defense. Their defense is fast. De- Deion Jones is one of the linebackers in the league. Uh, you know, uh, they got corners that can that can run. They got defensive linemen that can run. They're they're super athletic. And uh, the Bucks faced a similar team in Arizona. Arizona really, um, they, you know, has John Brown, uh, has has a couple other other guys, has um, a couple good linebackers that they sort of convert to defensive ends sometimes because of how athletic they are. So Arizona is probably the 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 best case I, w- I would say uh, would probably be the the best example I should say uh, of 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 that. The the next one I would say is probably New England. Uh, New England's just got those those, those quick receivers, um, and and they they can beat you on on breaking routes and stuff like that. So the Bucks have to watch out for that. But but like you said, you know the Bucks are prepared. They've seen the Falcons before. Falcons really didn't change much this off season. So. Um, I think the Bucks are going to be prepared for it. I hope so, man. Should be a good game coming up this Sunday in Week 12. The Bucks will look to win in advance to 5-6, and six, only putting us one game back from the division. Right now, I believe we are two. And one last thing I did want to touch on before we moved on to the, uh, the Hall of Fame semifinalists for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking at Atlanta, Atlanta, back to that fast-paced offense, they have a lot of depth at the running back position. Three solid running backs, guys that can move, 
and that's really been our weakness uh, against the NFC South teams. We've just been run all over with the short pass and even finding lanes up the middle. You know, Kamara for New Orleans, I can never remember that guy's first name, and I kind of feel bad. He had a day against us simply because of weak tackling, and when you're able to rotate guys at the running back position and get them out on the field running fresh and fast, it could be a long day mixed with that uh, fast-paced offense that we did touch on. But defense, this Sunday, they're going to hang on to that game for us. they got to be ready. Got to be ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. Atlanta's offense seems to be waking up. It's you know what they've wanted to see all season, so let's see if we can't figure it out and not to make it seem like an impossible task you know last two games we've definitely seen a different defense than we saw the first half of the season i think these guys are finally trying to figure it out levante david had stated before it's complimentary football everyone's feeding off of each other's uh, energy and if that's the best way they can play then so be it let's see them keep going out there and kicking ass week in and week out hopefully get a couple of takeaways and possibly a sack this week against the falcons but the offense ryan fitzpatrick I'd like to believe he's doing a pretty good job. One, two in a row for us. No picks last game. How are you feeling about the fixed magic two games into the season? Um, uh, two games into his season. Yeah, I, he's done what he needs to do. Uh, that's what a backup QB is for. A backup QB is a guy who, um, is if, if your starter goes down week one and he's out for the season, you're probably screwed because a backup QB isn't going to win 10 11 games for you, but a backup QB can come in and, and play solid for two, three, four games and, and possibly win two or three of those games. So, And uh, that's exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick's done. So, I mean, I would add that as a, just another hit on, J, on Jason Light's free agent pool. Uh, I think uh, I think that was definitely a free agent hit, and he definitely didn't miss on Fitzpatrick. Definitely didn't miss on Fitzpatrick. And one thing I can say uh, I really do like about the guy he, he seems, and it could be experience, it definitely is experience without a doubt, but he has a pretty good pocket presence and he knows when to take the sack. He knows when to take the sack and he knows when he can scramble and run. I don't think I've ever shaken my head at fit so far. Again, don't, don't take this as heavily as it would be if he had played eight games. He's only played two games, but I really haven't left my... I really haven't left a play scratching my head at Ryan Fitzpatrick thus far, at least that I've noticed. Yeah, there's there's been a couple throws that have uh, not been um, not not been great, and and if they were, um, it, it would have been something big. Uh, the one thing I I show, um, it was in the Jets game. It was actually on Ryan Fitzpatrick's pick that he threw. Uh, if he throws that a little bit. Uh, ahead of Godwin, it's probably a touchdown for Chris Godwin, and instead he throws it behind it and ends up being picked off. So yeah. that that's the one example I had. Um, but overall, you know, I mean, he has some accuracy issues, but yeah, you know, you can't really complain about that. You know, he's he's a veteran; he knows, uh, you know, what to do. Basically, he he's been around the block a few times. And we'll definitely see if he can get that offense humming against Atlanta this weekend. One last thing we'll touch on to the offense, and then we'll jump to the injury report and the rest of what we have to talk about today. Mike Evans has been a center of concern for a couple of people, at least that I've seen uh, on the Instagrams and the interwebs. The guy's dropping every play. 
He'll catch a ball, and before he can even put two feet on the ground, you'll see him kick his legs up from underneath him and just fall to his knees and make the check down catch. He's getting us first down, so I'm not entirely complaining too much. It's not like he's costing us drives at this point. But there were a couple of plays against Miami. I know for sure he probably could have picked up five, six, maybe seven yards on uh, with that YAC yardage, and he's just not doing it. Do you have any idea why? Because I'm lost, man. I, I don't see... I don't know. I see him being a conservative player, and he said he would work on it, but I just haven't seen it. Um, I don't really know why. Um, I, I mean, I, I think there was probably, and you know, a lot of fans pointed out there was a ton of times. I think there was only one or two times. Um, Mike did it probably about four times or so, and I think honestly, to you know, most of the times that I saw, it was because he was back turned, and and when you're back turned, you're testing to get cracked. Um, so. I mean, you know, when he catches the ball back turned, he just falls down. Um, you know, if, if he's run a, a straight go and he hits him in stride, obviously he's not falling down because he's running forward. Now, like you did say, he did say that he wanted to work on his or his uh, yak or yard after or yard after catch, something that he wanted to to improve upon. And you know, Mike Mike is hard on himself. I believe you know he had a Pro Bowl year last year. I believe he his. Is he says that he gives himself season grades every season. Uh, I believe he said it, it was a B plus last year um, when it was clearly a definitely an A. So he's a, he's a tough grader and uh, he's going to work on it. But I, I don't think I think it was more about the the situation and where the ball was uh, and where he was on the field more than him intentionally just trying to go down and avoid the hit. Yeah. Without a doubt. And he's a smart guy. We'll see him bounce back. We'll see him figure it out. I'm not drilling into him. Like I said, he's getting us first downs. He's not costing us drives. I'm not upset, but just something that we'll look to work on the next couple of weeks, something that a couple of people had noticed. So that's the last we'll talk about the Falcons coming up this week. Right now we will talk about the injury report for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as of today because we're recording on Wednesday. So November 22nd, 2017, the day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Let's break down this injury report on both sides. This is the practice injury report, so we'll see who did not participate and who is in there limited. So here we go for the Buccaneers. The defensive end, Robert Ayers, out for concussion protocol, did not participate today. Cameron Brait, limited participation today because of an ankle injury. DeMar Dotson, the left tackle, battling a hamstring injury, very limited participation. Cornerback Vernon Hargraves with a hamstring injury. We all know how touchy those can be. He did not participate today. Defensive end William Golston with a neck injury, limited participation today, and don't care who you are, that's good to see, especially we saw William Golston go down with a pretty, I wouldn't say nasty looking, because it wasn't, you know, they didn't break him in half, but a neck injury against the New Orleans Saints, and you know how critical those can be, he's already limitedly participating in practice, that's awesome to see, hell of a, hell of a comeback for Will Golston, good recovery, man. Cornerback Robert McClain with a hamstring injury, limited participation today. Defensive tackle Gerald McCoy with a shoulder and back, do not exactly say what, limited participation at practice. Safety Josh Robinson with a hamstring, limited participation. Tackle Donovan Smith with a knee injury, limited participation. O-line Evan Smith on concussion protocol did not participate. The guard J.R. Sweezy with a knee injury, limited participation. And... Last but not least, quarterback Jameis Winston with a right shoulder did not participate. And I saw a, rec- uh, I saw a report the other day, I believe it was yesterday, I got the uh, got the message on my phone. Dirk Cutter came out and said they're not letting Jameis throw, I- at least for now. How much longer 
do you think they're going to ride this out? Do you think it's going to be the rest of the season, or are we going to see him on the field back before Week 16? Um, I mean, I think it, it helps that Fitz is winning. Um, and also it's because, you know, I think Dirk Cutter's also also uh, pretty much a realist. I think he knows that they're they're four and six and they have to be playing stellar football uh, in, in order to be able to make the playoffs. And he doesn't want to risk, uh, if, if he still has a job next year, um, he doesn't want to risk uh, long-term, long-term health for Winston. Uh, just look at the Andrew Luck situation. So, um, it's not really Dirk that, that's holding him back. It, it's it's the doctors, and I mean I, I definitely think that maybe the doctors would even try to rush him if the Bucks lost those two games, but um, they won. So I think that that looks better for for Fitz for to, to stay the starter. Um, I, I see yeah, Fitz has already been named a starter for this week. I probably see Fitz starting next week as well, uh, no matter the outcome of this game. And then I could possibly see Jameis back for Detroit. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing nothing. Um, I don't have any sources on that or anything, but uh, just my guess, uh, week 14 versus the Lions. And that's your starting quarterback, man. I, I personally have no problem with them being as conservative as they need to be. That's your starting quarterback. He's the guy you count on to come in and win games. You don't want an Andrew Luck situation. As you guys already know, Andrew Luck placed on IR a couple of weeks ago. He's done for the season. Uh, and it's pretty much been on and off for Andrew Luck. Hasn't found yeah. a, a good, consistent open year to get things cooking. So I don't want to see the, th- uh, the same thing happen with Jameis. I'm glad they're taking the conservative route because, like you said, Dirk is a realist. Right now we're 4-6. and six. I'm not really counting on a playoff run. I'll be happy if we finish with less than 10 losses. But so far, everyone's coming in here and doing their job. So I'm excited to see this game on Sunday. And uh, let's hope Jameis heals up as quickly as he can. Now, taking a look at some key inactives for the Falcons, at least today in practice, running back Devontae Freeman out on concussion protocol did not participate today. Wide receiver Julio Jones with an ankle knee injury, limited participation. The center, Alex Mack, with a shoulder injury, limited participation. And defensive tackle, Don Terry Poe, with a hip injury, limited participation in practice today. It's hard for me to sit here and say that I don't want to see Devontae Freeman play on Sunday because I don't want that for anyone. You want him to shake this injury and be able to go out there and play, but I kind of really don't want to see him play this Sunday. <laughs> is, that, is that bad of me to say that? Am I a well, bad person? I mean, no, but uh, um, it's also not good news for the Bucks because Tevin Coleman is their backup running back slash third down back, and he's also very, very good. Um, so... He's actually faster than Devontae Freeman. So you talked about that speed earlier. They they're gonna they will possibly get uh, even even more speed uh, with Coleman instead of Freeman in there. So, um, but you know Julio Jones, he's gonna play. Not Terry Poe, he's gonna play. Uh, those guys that are limited, they're most likely gonna play. Same on the book side. If you're limited in practice, you're likely gonna play. Without a doubt, looking to shake those injuries and be ready to go on Sunday against Atlanta on the road. In other news, Rondé Barber, John Lynch, and Simeon Rice reached the pinnacles of their respective NFL playing careers together, taking turns hoisting the Lombardi Trophy after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won Super Bowl 37 in January of 2003. Fifteen years later, that's 20, uh, 2018, if you guys weren't keeping track, they could share the NFL's brightest stage, earning the game's greatest individual honor at the same time. That trio of former Buccaneer defenders moved closer to that honor on Tuesday night when each was named one of the 27 semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2018. 
That group was culled from an original list of 108 Modern Era nominees, which was announced in September. In January, those 27 will again be parred down to 15 finalists, from which a class of up to five will be chosen for induction into the Hall of Fame on the eve of the Super Bowl. So Rondé Barber, John Lynch, and Simeon Rice. What a trio, man. I'd really like to see those guys make it. If I had to pick one, though, it's John Lynch. I've been clamoring for John Lynch in the Hall of Fame for years. I think this is its like his sixth. Six or seventh year of part or year of eligibility, he's got to go in, man. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely deserving of it. Not doing a bad job as the owner of Forty um, Nineers, correct? Kind of feel bad that I don't know. Yeah, that he, right he's off the, the general manager. Uh, general manager. I feel bad that I don't know that right off the bat, but hey, I can't keep up with these guys all that much. But the GM of the Forty Nineers, Mister John Lynch. One of the hardest-hitting white boys in the history of football. I'd like to see him go in, man. How are you feeling about this trio? If you had to pick one, who's your uh, who's your first first ballot? Uh, first ballot, I first ballot is probably Lynch, just because he hasn't gotten in. But if you want to talk about if if I was going on, who's the best player that and then they would get the first ballot, it'd probably be Rondé Barber because I think Rondé Barber is probably the best player out of them three. Dude's still the uh, test of time. Yeah, yeah. Something that I'm actually gonna do. I'm actually gonna do a little, a little special thing. I'm gonna explain uh, who I would take out of those three back in, in our primes and, and why. And I would take Simeon Rice without a doubt because they need edge rushers. And uh, Simeon Rice was probably one of the best, if not the best, edge rusher the Buccaneers have ever had. Oh, dude was a dog. He was a pit bull on defense. He was unstoppable. I remember hearing stories when I was younger. He was just a mean dude, and you know, people have met him. He's he's obviously not that. He's a pretty soft-spoken guy, from what I've heard. But hear horror stories about how angry and how mean he was on the field. Man, he dominated that defensive line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was uh, he was one of the leaders too. Yeah, you love seeing the guys back in the red and pewter. But good things ahead, hopefully. Um, you know, talking about the rest of the season right now, something I did want to touch on a little bit because I've been seeing it here and there. Still, people have been clamoring to just lose out. Um, you know, I kind of thought we were past this after we won two in a row, but people are still unhappy that the Bucks have gone out and won two in a row, one game on the road like I had mentioned before. How do you feel about this? Do you think losing out really is the best option here for – for uh, for just one draft pick that you know could be slightly better than another one. Um, you know, I, no, but yes and no. Uh, I'm not at that point yet. I, I think uh, if they if they lose to Atlanta and then and then lose to Green Bay, uh, then I think it's probably best for them to lose out because then they would they would be four and eight and the season would be over. Um, I would think it would probably be best for them to lose out. Uh, but as, as of now, I'm going to say no because there still is something left to fight for. And, you know, these players' jobs are on the line. Dirk Cutter's jobs on the line. You know, it's, it's he's on the hot seat. It's, and, you know, Gruden is Gr- – Gruden's looking at it. That, that's real. Um, and, uh, you know, I made some phone calls earlier this week, and uh, I, I, got, I got even – more assured that you know he wants to coach again and uh you know just yeah i you know none of the players are gonna try to lose you know they're not 
is they know that that is it, it is their job and they're not focused on on records they don't even look at records really they, they take it game by game but when you're you know if you go four and eight then you you hear that you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs some of the pl- players start checking out and that's where you can get the lose out situation and if you're four and eight most of the fans have checked out too um so i'm not there yet but uh it, it could be coming could be coming but Let's see what happens, man. Like I said before, I'm really excited about whatever could happen at this point. If this is a team that wants to get their, you know, get their shit together and come around and win the last, what is it, five? Hang on, how many games do we have left? It's week going into week twelve, so we got what five games left now? Uh, six. Six. Yeah. And I got the schedule right in front of me. Let me take a peek here. We've got Atlanta this week. Green Bay the week after that, Detroit, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. Okay, so if this is a team already won two of their last, Jesus, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, two of their last eight. This is a team that's won two of their last eight. If this is a team that wants to get everything together, get everything humming, and come out and win maybe six of their last eight, I will not be disappointed, like you said. But if they come out and lose to Atlanta and Green Bay four and eight, everyone's going to be pretty checked out. It's going to be a sad situation, but again, exciting situations because we talked about the Gruden rumors last week. We're not going to go into too much detail. We're going to start wrapping things up here, but exciting things to come. I'm excited, and you should be excited too because it's pretty much a win-win situation here. We're either going to get what we want or we're not really going to get what we want, but we're going to get what we want by winning these games. So let's let's just hang on together. We're all we got at this point, Bucks fans. That's really... How it is. I don't know why everyone fights and gets mad at each other. At this point, we're the only ones we got. But let's take a look over at our Instagram follower of the week for this week. It is Steeler Zone. Uh, taking a taking a jab at a at a, a rival team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steeler Zone is a great Steelers page. Uh, if you don't follow it already, make sure you go check it out. But really, just been an active follower since we started the page. Been commenting, been engaging, and it's awesome to see from a different team. You don't see that too, too much. Uh, the NFC South guys are pretty okay, but most of the Panthers guys on Instagram, I really just can't stand them. Uh, so we try not to talk to them. But if you want to be our Instagram follower of the week, make sure you go follow us at Cannon Fire Podcast and make sure you are engaged and like all of our shit. That's all you got to do. You just got to like us. Show that you like us. Also, uh, new logo, kind of, on Instagram. If you haven't, go check it out. I was going to kind of explain that a little bit more here in the last two minutes. Um, Basically, the new logo, if you haven't seen it, it's Mike Evans edited. Um, He's got, you know, glowing eyes, glowing number on the jersey, two cannons on each side of him, and then the Cannon Fire Podcast CF in the corner. It's it's cool design. It's a cool design, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea who made it, but it's an awesome design. Probably going to use that as like just the Facebook profile picture because I'm in love with the flag that we have, and I think that should kind of remain a staple. Um, not even a staple because it's not even our logo, but just a weird way of explaining what's going to go on. I'm, I'm going to use both of them, but... I don't know. I didn't want you guys to get disappointed if I change the profile picture back. It's still going to be the profile picture on Facebook. And if you haven't already, go like us on Facebook. I don't think I mentioned that last week. New Facebook page for Cannon Fire Podcast. If you are on Facebook, we'll be linking the show through there as well. But thank you guys so much for listening this week on YouTube, iTunes, Libsyn, wherever you got the show from. We're doing good. Episode 15, the show's blowing up. 
And I, I just wanted to say thank you. I guess that's what it all culminates to is is saying thank you guys for supporting the show. It's all we really needed and all we can hope for is the Buccaneers continue on and win and hopefully we'll win too. We'll figure it out. Let's hope we don't lose out, get top ten in the draft. That's not what we need. But ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much going to wrap up the show this week. Evan, my man, any last thing you want to talk about before we start shutting everything down? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, just wanted to put out a, a quick note that, just in, in my opinion, um, the, these next couple games are, are big for, for Dirk Cutter. Um, pretty much every game now is going to be. Uh, I think why well, I, I think Cutter, the number Cutter needs to get to is six. I think he needs to win six games, so that means winning two more games. Uh, it's doable, but uh, it's not going to be easy. So, All right, so it's going to be something that we are excited for. Like you said, six wins is really going to be where he needs. It'll be back to square one uh, for Cutter, at least. He'll be handling out the same results as a squad he coached a year before, so... Let's hope things turn themselves around second half of the season. Buccaneers football, I'm excited to see it every Sunday because we have no bye week. But thank you guys so much for listening on YouTube and iTunes. Go follow us on Instagram if you haven't. Go like us on Facebook if you haven't. That's just about going to do it for episode 15 here. Hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.